Welcome back to the Vine Church Podcast. Today, we are continuing our sermon series, Seeing Jesus, exploring the first nine chapters of Luke's Gospel. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning, guys. Uh, hello, everybody. Happy Father's Day as well to all the dads out there. I hope you're being looked after nicely, dads. Uh, and uh, just don't forget, there's the rest of the day as well to catch up, kids, if you've still got a bit more to do to treat your dad today. Um, but we're going to read in Luke chapter 6 this morning, uh, starting in verse 46. Uh, and um, before we read it, if you get your Bibles open uh, and have, have it at the ready, but before we actually read it, can we watch this video here, uh, which uh, introduces our story today? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams <laughs> rose and the winds pulled and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And that leads us to are you going to be a wise man? Are you going to be a wise man who hears the words and puts them into practice? Or are you going to be a foolish man who hears the words and does not put them into practice? May I please ride my bike? Yes, as long as you stay in the driveway and don't go on the street. Yes, Mommy. He heard mommy's words and put them in the back. Look how joyful he is. But imagine what could happen if he heard mommy's words and did not put them in the practice. <laughs> he could have gotten hurt. Imagine what could happen then. Take it from me. It's better to live as a wise man. Be very careful then how you live, not as always, but as wise. <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? Um, um, and by the way, just to let you know, no children were hurt in the making of that video. Apparently, the parents were added at the end that they, they filmed it separately with the car coming and the guy cycling across the road, and then they put them together with clever video magic and stuff, so just so you know that. Um, but let's just read it as well. Uh, so in Luke 6, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. 
When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but he could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So we've just coming now to the end of Jesus' teaching. There's a, period, there's a section that began in chapter 6 and verse 12 and now comes to an end here at the end of chapter 6. And you may remember that back in chapter 6, verse 12, we have the calling of the 12 apostles. And at that point, Jesus kind of instigates his church. He begins his church by calling his leaders who are going to be the foundation of his church. And he is beginning his people, his church, as he calls his apostles. But the question then arises, which is this, what is this church to believe? And how are the members of his church to behave? It's a new kingdom that he has inaugurated, but what are to be the values of this new kingdom? And what is to be the lifestyle of those who belong to this new kingdom? And so it tells us in chapter 6 and verse 17 that Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. And a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And at that point, Jesus begins his sermon on the plain. Okay, so there's a large crowd. There's kind of concentric circles of people sitting there on this plane listening to Jesus. And so you've got the apostles at the, on the front row listening. Then you've got the disciples kind of after that, a large crowd, it says, of disciples. And then it says many people from around the area also were there, people who traveled in to be healed, to, uh, to be set free. And now they're also listening. And Jesus is speaking to these people and he gives us, the Sermon on the Plain. If you'll forgive me, we have plain speaking from Jesus here on the plain. Plain speaking about what their beliefs are to be and what their behavior is to be as a result of their beliefs. And I could summarize the Sermon on the Plain, which we've been going through over the last four weeks with four headings. The first in verses 20, 17 to 26 speak of a new humility. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who weep. A new humility uh, as people humble themselves before God, who are hungry for his righteousness, who weep for their sins, who come in and, and receive this kingdom through humility. New humility. Then in verses 27 to 36, there is a new charity that is to be found in these disciples, that they're to love their enemies, they're to do to others what they would have them done to themselves, they're to be merciful, there's to be a charitable attitude towards other people. And then in verse 37 to 42, there is a new generosity that we read about there. They're to be big-spirited, they're to give uh, so that they will be, they will receive. You remember how Jesus said in that section, how give and you, it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken over, running over your lap. Be generous hearted. 
Don't judge people. Don't hold back on people. Don't hold grudges of people. Forgive people. Don't be kind to yourself and yet mean-hearted to other people. Remove the log, uh, and uh, rather than uh, remove the log from your own eye before you take the speck out of others. So the new generosity. So we've seen there's a new humility, a new charity, a new generosity, and now I'm really struggling to get the fourth one to rhyme. But a new fruitiness. Okay, there's a new fruitiness as well. All right. So in this life. They, they have, they're to now bear fruit, as we heard from Joshua last week. God has made them to be new trees that will bear good fruit. They have come to him. They have humbled themselves before him. They've hungered for his righteousness. And God has given them new hearts, made them into a new tree. And now there is good fruit that's coming out of their lives. And so that was the Sermon on the Plain. Is that it? We're finished. Jesus has finished his Sermon on the Plain. Well, not quite. You can imagine the crowd listening to Jesus here. And perhaps they're nodding. Perhaps they're nudging person next to them. Perhaps they're um, thinking, oh, I hope that my husband is listening to this, because that's a good point Jesus just made. Perhaps they're saying, Yes, Lord, Lord, yes, Lord. You know, in some churches, you have uh, people that really respond to the preacher, don't they, very actively, you know, and, and if it's a good point that the preacher makes, they'll kind of go, amen, you know, and, and if it's a really good point, then maybe they'll stand up and go, amen, you know, and if it's a really good point, they'll stand up and they'll clap and they'll go, amen, amen, all right? Well, these people are kind of, they're saying, Lord, Lord. They're saying amen to his point. I mean, this is the greatest sermon that was ever preached, right? What a privilege to have been there for the Sermon on the Plain. Can you imagine it? Being there, Jesus giving these pithy, memorable sayings that we all know that have shaped our very language and our culture, and they were there. But Jesus hasn't quite finished the sermon. He has one more parable to tell, and he has one question to ask. The parable, of course, is the parable of the wise and foolish builder, which we have just looked at. And in verse 48, he tells of a, a man who builds a house, who digs down deep. We get a little bit more detail in Luke's version over Matthew's version. He digs down deep and he lays the foundation on a rock. And so this house is indestructible. When the storms come, it is totally unshakable. And then we read, in contrast, a man who builds his house on sand, and as soon as a torrent strikes, the house looks good, but the moment the storm comes, it just collapses, and its destruction is complete, total destruction of this house. And then Jesus asks a question in verse 46. At the beginning of this section, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now that phrase, Lord, Lord, it's kind of an intimate and intense way of addressing Jesus, not just Lord, but Lord, Lord. 
But we must remember that Lord is not a name for someone, a proper name. It's a title. It means my boss, my master, the CEO, the ruler, the king. And they're saying, Lord, Lord. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, many will say, Lord, Lord. Many people will do miracles in his name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. In other words, you can look the part. You can sing the songs. You can dress it a certain way. In the olden days, you could recognize a Christian. They carried a Bible. They had a notebook. Uh, they wore a check shirt. They had sandals. You could spot the Christian. They could look the parts, you know. These days, it's a bit different. But, you know, um, there's a, you can have an air of respectability. You can be part of the crowd. You can use the language of a Christian. But looking the part, saying, Lord, Lord, is not the acid test of whether he really is our Lord. And you can almost sense at the end of this Sermon on the Plain that Jesus is, I don't want to say frustrated, because I don't really think Jesus necessarily got frustrated, but provoked as he sees this crowd nodding and saying, Lord, Lord, I must admit, I can kind of identify with that feeling. Over the last four weeks or so, we've gone through the Sermon on the Plain. And I guess it's been a bit strange because, of course, we've had a few people in the building wearing masks. So you can't really see their facial expressions. Everybody obviously leaves quite promptly at the end. You've got other people at home watching it on the telly. And you don't get much feedback. And I know I've kind of thought, I wonder if we've really heard this. I wonder if we've really got this, these radical words, these life-changing, supernatural lifestyle words that Jesus gives. Did, have, we, have we actually got this? All that stuff about being truly humble, about being hungry, about being poor, about being radically loving, about being forgiving, generous, not hypocritical. Have we, has this Issued in action? Has there been any change? And so I've got three questions of my own to ask you today, okay, from this parable. The first is, why do we not put Jesus' words into practice? The second question is, what are the consequences if we don't? And the third question is, how can we ensure that we do put these words into practice. So the first question then is this, why do we not put his words into practice? And of course, what we have here is this foolish builder who is keen to get his house up as quickly as possible. Don't worry about foundations. That takes far too long, far too much effort. Don't worry about going deep. Superficial is fine. As long as I look the part, as long as I've got a fancy house that looks impressive, 
you know, I, I, I like doing the soft furnishings in the house. I like to decorate. I like to get the lighting right. Yeah, I mean, the foundations, no, no, just get the building up. Just make it look nice as quickly as possible. You know, let's have some of that Huey lighting effects and all that sort of stuff. Let's get it all looking nice and, and, and you know, blitzy and all that. Um, look at that neighbor down the road. He's building his house. He seems to still be digging around in the ground. I mean, he's taking forever. What is the point? What is he doing? I mean, look at my house. It's impressive, everybody. And what we find is that if we, that this is why we don't build according to God's words. And, and what we see, it's the opposite of the wise builder. In this verse, we see that there are three things that the wise builder does. He comes to me, Jesus says, he hears my words, and he puts them into practice. And so there are three participles that Jesus uses. Comes to me, hears my words, puts them into practice. Coming, hearing, practicing. And the reason we don't always build is because firstly, we don't come to him. Actually, first thing is we actually have to hear the message. We have to come to him. We have to gather to Jesus, like the crowd who gathered to his preaching. We have to gather to focus on his words, to listen to his preaching. You see, there is no such thing as a churchless disciple. Someone who doesn't come to Jesus, who doesn't come to his church to hear his words. And wherever possible, we would want to gather in person to do that. And that's our aim and that's our goal. We're working back towards that, of course, because we need to be in a place where we can hear the words of Jesus. In our own lives, as we read the Bible and as we gather together as his people to hear his words. But then, having come to him, we need to hear what he's saying. Now, the words might fall on our ears, but are we really listening? See, it's so easy, isn't it, to be distracted as we're listening. I'm looking at people here today, and I can see people really focused and listening. It's, it's really encouraging and wonderful to see, including kids. So that's brilliant. Well done. But, you know, it's so easy, isn't it, to be on your phone and it's just buzzing away, or you're kind of getting distracted, looking at things, whatever it is that's your thing. It's so easy, isn't it? And perhaps on telly, I know back at home, if we've got the cricket on in the background, we kind of dive, dump, dip in and dip out, you know, watch a little bit, dip out, go make a cup of tea, you know, do some other stuff. It's on in the background. It's just a background noise. And that's what we can do with Jesus if we're not careful with his words. We're not really tuning in, focusing in, getting into the zone with his words. I would suggest that we should have a Bible. We should be able to look at the words. I'd suggest that we should be, perhaps if it works for you and whatever works best for you. But for me, it means taking notes. I find that helpful. Not everybody says that that helps them, but for me, it does. It's interesting that during the Great Awakening, it was a phenomena that there was an increase in the number of people who learned to take shorthand. And people used to carry their quills and their portable ink wells to church so that they could literally take notes of what they were hearing. And it wasn't that someone said, well, now from now on, you have to take notes. 
they, they just wanted to hear, they wanted to listen, they wanted to remember, they wanted to be able to go away and reflect on what was being said. And the third thing that can stop us, one, that we don't come to him, two, that we don't really hear him, and the third thing, of course, is that we don't put them into practice. I know that on Monday, for example, of this week, I went out for a run and I was listening to a sermon as I was out running and it was touching on issues such as issues about money. And I, I felt really God speaking. And as I got home, I sort of shared with Kate what I'd heard. And, you know, I, I, I felt actually there's some things that we need to put into practice from this. So three things that we wanted to implement from it. Um, and so it's so important that we hear and then we think, what is it that God is telling me to do as a result of this or to believe as a result of this? I was fascinated this morning that um, Lauren shared with us from the story of Felix and Agrippa. And uh, that was not something that I had asked her to do, but it was brilliant that she did because we find in that account, just very quickly, if I could read to you from Acts 24 and verse 24, it says, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to Paul as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You can leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. You know, we can do that. We can kind of say, it's not convenient right now for me to hear this. It doesn't really fit into my life. I, I, don't you realize I'm too busy? You might be a young person. You think, well, I've got too much to do as a young person. I'll wait till I'm older and, and then, then it'll be convenient for me to hear what you say. Then it'll be convenient for me to put into practice. Do you know, it's never really convenient to do what Jesus tells us to do. It's never the perfect time necessarily in our lives. And yet, for, from his perspective, it's always the right time to do what he says. We can be like Peter. Do you remember in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, where in Acts 10, it tells us that Peter had this vision. There he was on the roof of a house in Joppa by the sea. Kate and I visited Joppa in Israel and saw the house where reputedly where Peter had this vision. And there he was on the roof. And as a Jew, God gives him a vision that, of these animals that are being lowered, unclean animals. And uh, Peter is told in his vision to get up and eat. And Peter gives a fascinating response. He says, surely not, Lord. Surely not, Lord. I mean, does that work as a sentence? Surely not, Lord. You can't say, Lord, surely not. Now, of course, Peter's working this through, and of course, he does actually end up uh, implementing this and going to the Gentiles, so he takes it on. But uh, we think of Peter, do you remember, earlier on, when at the beginning of his encounters with Jesus, there he is in the boat, and um, Jesus says, now, come on, put your nets down again. You haven't, and Peter says, well, we, we, we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, Lord, we'll do it. And that's the right attitude. Lord, it doesn't make sense to me. Lord, it's too costly. Lord, it's too risky. But you are Lord, so I will do it because you say so. 
So those are some of the reasons why we don't put these things into practice. I'll move on and I'll bring things uh, speedily towards a conclusion, I, I promise. The second question is, what are the consequences if we don't put these things into practice, if we don't build on his words? What are the consequences? Well, obviously, there will be tests that will come in our lives. And if we haven't built on good foundations, clearly we will crumble. We can put our hope in wealth. We can put our hope in health in other people, in our economy, in science, in our own abilities, in our employers, in our husband, in our wife. But storms will come and we will collapse if that was what we were building our foundation on. The reality is that there is shaking going on. The last 18 months, God has been shaking people's foundations, testing people's foundations, and they have been found wanting. And we need to make sure then that we're building on him. And the reality is, folks, that if we don't treat him as Lord, although we may say that he's Lord, the reality is that he is still Lord. He is still Lord. Whether we treat him as such or not, he will still bring the storms. He will still test. He will still bring us to account. He will still test those houses and those foundations. He is still Lord, whether we treat him as such or not. So it just makes perfect sense to build on his words. It makes no sense not to build on his words because he is Lord and because it is actually the best thing for us. You know, we will not realize our full potential unless we build on his foundation. We can look good, the house can look impressive, but it won't realize its potential unless it's built firmly. And so I wanna encourage you today, fulfill your potential by building on his words. It might take longer, it might be more costly, it might be more risky, it might involve loss even, but actually, ultimately, it will be for the greatest gain in your life. I remember um, a few, many years ago now, 24 or so years ago, when Kate and I uh, were looking for a house, and we felt God was calling us to move back to Odium at the time, and uh, we didn't have the money. We got a mortgage out, but we didn't have enough. We were £20,000 short for the house that we were, we'd found and that we thought we wanted to buy. Uh, and we sat in a cafe and we just sort of said, well, do we have faith for this? And, and, and we said, yes, we do. And then we thought of James' James's word, if you have faith and not deeds, then what good is it? And so we thought, well, we better put an offer in because if we believe it, we better act on it. And so we put an offer in and we were 20,000 pounds short. And miraculously, at the very last minute, we, we received the, a, a gift for the difference uh, we got 19,500 actually. We managed to somehow pay the rest of it. And so we did get our house, which we now still live in to this day. You know, the old school at the moment at, in Odium at the Vine Church, we have our building, the old school. And uh, as part of our vision to refresh Odium, uh, the congregation in Odium, we are refurbishing. We want to refurbish our building in Odium as well. And about a month ago, I shared our final plans with the elders and the budget that that would involve as well. And I went round at the end of the evening with the elders and said, do you have faith for this, ultimately? Let's go round. Joshua's there as well. 
do you guys have faith for this? And to a person, everyone, for different reasons, said, yes, I believe God's telling us to do this. And so we said, well, we better do it then. And so we shared the final vision and the final budget with the church on Sunday nights, last Sunday nights. And we shared with people, this is going to cost £100,000. Uh, and uh, we've only got, you know, 37,000 so far or whatever. But this is the vision. This is what we want to go for. I must admit, the next day, I felt pretty vulnerable. I thought, what have I done? What have I committed myself to? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure God spoke, but uh, this is scary. Uh, and then God just encouraged me again. And in fact, that very day, we received a gift anonymously for £11,000 from someone towards this project. It's amazing encouragement. And, you know, I want to ask you today, is there something that God is speaking to you about? You see, we'll never fulfill our potential unless we fully obey what Jesus is saying, whether it's convenient to us or not, whether it's popular or not, whether it's easy or not, whether it makes sense to us or not. If we don't do these things, we will never see what could have happened. Is there something God is speaking to you about right now? Is there a small adjustment that you need to make in your life? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to apologize to? Is there a change you need to make in the way you do things at work or at home? Do you need to love your enemy, love your boss? Do you need to deal with anger in your life? I don't know. Do you need to offer to serve in the church in some way? Do you need to give some money? Do you need to pray? What is it God has been speaking to you about? Well, let me say, don't delay. Don't make excuses. God's word will die in your spirit if you don't keep it alive and obey his words. So what can we do then? Well, we can do what the wise builder did. We can dig down deep. We can come to him. We can listen to him. We can act on his words. Now, please, as I finish, I want to say something really important. I don't want you to get the wrong idea from this message today. I don't want you to think, right, well, from now on, I have to try harder. I need to work harder to get to earn God's protection and blessing. That's not the good news of the gospel. People said to Jesus in John 6, what must we do to do the work that God requires? And Jesus replied, the works of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And that's what the sermon on the plain was about. Come to him and don't think you can do it on your own. Come poor. Come hungry for his righteousness. Come weeping for your sin. Come to him. Receive the gospel. Receive from him. He will make you new. He will change your heart. He will make you into a new tree that will then bear new fruit. You'll have a new fruitiness in your life. There'll be a new charity, a new generosity, a new uh, attitude in your life that will come because you've been made new through the gospel. I love what it says in this song that we're going to finish with in a moment. 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Saviour's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. May I ask you, are you making him Lord of all? Everything, every part of your life, is he fully Lord? You say Lord, Lord, or is it affecting every part of your life? Because if it is, then through the storm, he will carry you. Let us pray together. Right now, if you know that there's an area where you need to repent, where you need to humble yourself to ask him to forgive you, to enable you to obey him, right now I want you to give it to him. I want to ask you right now to give him everything. I want to ask you to believe in him, to wholly trust in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I ask you that there would be no one who has heard this message who will just go away without having had that foundation laid, without having responded to you in some way, without having dug deep into their hearts, allowed you to lay a new foundation. Oh God, I cry to you that we would not be a people who pay lip service only. I pray we would be a radical people who live this kingdom life in private, in public, in the church. Oh God, I cry to you, may we be serious about this, serious about your grace, enjoying your love, enjoying your forgiveness, living it out, bearing good fruit. Oh God, we turn away from anything we know is wrong. We turn away from anything that is a poor foundation and we say we wholly trust in Jesus' name. Amen.